glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the womb wide ready. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Oh, they tackle him at the point of line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTFPodNet on Twitter. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. And of course, Dennis at Culture underscore Coach. The Full-Time Fantasy Network. You can also find them on FullTimeFantasy.com. They will bring you all kinds of awesome podcasts, not just ourselves, but Jim Day of FF Champs, Adam Ronis, and Dr. Roto on Sirius XM Radio, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Anthony Servino of FF Faceoff, and many others. We are, again, Super proud to be a part of this network, and uh, just check them out, guys, because not only do they produce our great content, but many other great podcasts. For today's episode, we are continuing our camp battles. We will be talking about the NFC East, of course, uh, the Cowboys, Eagles, Giants, and Redskins did not finish in that order. Redskins technically finished ahead of the Giants there, so I apologize about messing that up, but we will be talking about those guys and their Camp battles going into camp, which again start in just a couple days. Some camps start going through this week all the way up to I think the 27th is the last day that camp start for certain teams. But before that, let's get Dennis in here and then let us talk about some breaking news as well. Hello! What's going on, Dennis? How you doing? I am doing fantastic, you know, just another day at the grindstone and uh, glad to be off and uh, ready to talk some fantasy football. Yeah, right there with you. So before we jump into the the breaking news stuff that I want to talk about, we wanted to remind you guys again that we'll be at the Fantasy Football World Championships on September 5th through 8th. Us, as in me and Dennis, with the Fantasy Football Roundtable, will be recording from Radio Row at the FFWC on the 6th and 7th at the Palms Resort in Vegas. Look out for us. We will be doing, um, obviously, the podcast, and I'm going to try and do some Twitter Live or maybe some Facebook Live stuff. We're actually, I'm actually going to try and do some of that before we even get to that point to get an idea of maybe we can get some new viewers and everything in there, but we will do a little bit of live broadcasting from the FFWC to give you guys an inside look on that. Now, let's talk about the breaking news. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. All right, so for today's breaking news, this did break over the weekend or really last week. Me and Dennis uh, both had some stuff going on uh, with family and work, so we weren't able to get in another podcast like we had wanted to. So the Melvin Gordon news for many people might be considered old, but it is new for us, so we did both want to touch on it. He has come out and say that, said that he is not going to be at camp and he's going to hold out until he gets a new deal where he wants to be traded. Dennis, I will let you have the first crack on your thoughts about Melvin Gordon wanting a new contract or possibly being traded away from the Chargers. Well, if I'm the Chargers, I'm certainly not going to trade him. Uh, you know, Gordon Gordon is a good back, not a great back. Uh, he did say at the, uh, oh, what's that, uh, 
conference that was this weekend down there in Dallas. Sportscon. Uh, Sportscon, yeah, that's what that's the word I was looking for. You know that he wanted to he wanted to stay with the Chargers, and so I feel like that was just more of a hey, I'm gonna tell you this is this is what I th- I'm thinking about doing this. Let's let's start having some serious discussions here. I'd like a new contract. Unfortunately for Gordon and just about every other running back out there, the parameters and about what a great contract for a running back is uh, doesn't really match their skill because it seems to be one of the uh, easiest positions to replace. So he may, I could see him holding out into camp a couple weeks. You know, I, I would expect him to be back, you know, by week three at the latest. But you know, stranger things have happened. We saw last year with Le'Veon Bell. So, uh, for me, if I'm a Gordon owner, I'm I'm okay. I, I'm I'm expecting that he'll be he'll show up. He's gonna go play. Um, you know, the Chargers. I, I don't think they have a, a lot of incentive to give him a new deal right now. So, they've got a couple decent backs that can fill in. Uh, neither one of them, I think, uh, are game changers but they're they're good solid backs and they work well as a duo so yeah um so for this for me i think it's just something that we really need to monitor i don't imagine that this is going to turn into any kind of levy on bell situation like we saw last year um a couple of the other things that melvin gordon said uh, he did as you were saying they want to stay with the chargers um, but there was also talks apparently that the Chargers have offered him a couple contracts already this offseason and he has not liked any of those. Um, I don't know how close they are. Obviously, neither one of us work for the Chargers or Melvin Gordon, so there's no way for us to know. Um, something I put out on Twitter, if you guys follow me, is if for Dynasty Leagues, I would watch this a little bit. I'm, I'm with Dennis. I imagine they don't trade Melvin Gordon. While we both don't think he's an elite back, he is... He's in the upper half, I would say, of running backs in the NFL. Um, but if he gets traded to another team, I think that could he- seriously hit his dynasty value as I think the Chargers give him such a big workload and he gets so much volume there and that really kind of allows him to get the numbers that he does if he goes to another spot. I imagine he doesn't get that volume. Uh, but it's something really we have to watch right now. There's no way we can know what he is or isn't going to do because let's all be honest, none of us thought Le'Veon Bell was going to sit out. Uh, the entire season last year. We all thought he'd come back by at least week 8, 9, or 10, whatever it was, to allow him to get the six game checks in. Uh, and he did not do that. So we can't assume Melvin Gordon is or isn't going to be there. I agree with Dennis. I'd imagine they're going to end up paying him. Because uh, he said uh, that running backs are the second most important position to an NFL team besides quarterback, which I disagree with completely. Um, you know, the Chargers did win four games last year without him. Uh, but... I, I, I kind of get where he's coming from. He's saying that to get his money. So something to watch for right now. Obviously, redraft leagues, nothing to worry about because chances are you're not redrafting. You're not doing your redraft anytime soon. Um, there's a couple news of retirees this year, um, or so far this year. One of them we'll touch on. I'll just do really quick because it's not that big of a deal for fantasy. Derek Morgan of the uh, Tennessee Titans, one of their linebackers, um, announced he's retiring today. And then Clint Boiling of, um, I'm sorry, Bowling of Cincinnati, uh, which is a bigger deal, I think, for a lot of people who are very high on Joe Mixon, which is both me and Dennis this season. Dennis, uh, you, when we were talking off podcast, had, had a little bit more of a take on this than I did, so give our listeners what you were telling me about your thoughts on him retiring from Cincinnati. 
Well, you know, Bowling is the left guard, and he's a he's a solid player. Um, not an all-pro by any stretch, but he, he's one of those guys that you don't hear a lot about because he doesn't make a ton of mistakes. And, uh, you know, he's had a few injuries, and, and uh, the plan for Cincinnati this year was to kick Cordy Glenn inside to guard and put Jonah Williams out at left tackle and have Bowling be the backup along the interior. Well, then Jonah Williams has the bum shoulder, and so he's going to be out for the year. So that meant Bowling back at left guard and Cordy Glenn back out to left tackle. Well, due to medical reasons now, Bowling is out, and so that means that the uh, left guard position is up in the air, and they can uh, ill afford to have uh, somebody uh, ha- have a big old weak spot there. They've got Andy Dalton coming back from uh, injury. Uh, you know, Mixon last year with Bowling at guard finished as. What did he finish? Uh, I think RB9 or something in that range. Right around the 12 mark, yeah. He was above the right in that area. So, and everybody is expecting a a bump with this new offense uh, with Zach Taylor. Well, now we're in the situation where they're starting to scramble for offensive linemen. And uh, so there could be some impact there for Mixon and uh, uh, the receivers and Dalton uh, because of this. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. See who who uh, who on the team is going to step up and see if there's going to be anybody that uh, uh, they bring in off the street or make a trade for. Certainly a situation to monitor. Yeah, absolutely. Is again, Joe Mixon. Really, Mixon, Green, and Boyd, the only people most are looking to for fantasy and losing someone on that offensive line could really affect all three if it doesn't allow any Dalton time to throw the ball as well. Uh, but I would say Mixon affected the most as many were hoping he would have uh, a huge season this year at the running back position. Uh, the last little bit of news we're going to touch on before we jump on into the NFC camp battles here uh, is uh, it is franchise tag deadline day. Um, I believe it's actually going to happen within our, our podcast recording. Uh, we already saw that Grady Jarrett signed a four-year extension, so he is good to go. And then Robbie Gold of the 49ers, their kicker, signed his as well. The only one that is not going to get a new deal is Jadavion Clowney, and it looks like he's not going to sign his uh, franchise tender as of right now. Um, for IDP leagues, that's probably somewhat of a big deal, though I don't think Clowney is a, is a huge IDP player. As talented as he is, he, for some reason I've noticed he doesn't really put up a whole lot of points in IDP leagues, but definitely something to monitor. I would say for me, he's, he's much like the Melvin Gordon situation. I don't think this is going to affect his fantasy value that much. I imagine he'll be back in camp eventually because he believe with signing the franchise tender, he's going to make $11 million this year, and that's kind of hard to turn down, uh, especially when you know he's still trying to make that big contract. So I'd imagine he'll sign the franchise tag eventually. Maybe he'll sit out a little bit of camp uh, and allow his body a little bit more time to rest and relax before he shows up. Uh, but it does look like he's not going to sign is today, Dennis, you have any thoughts on Jadavion Clowney and his franchise tag tender? You know, Clowney has been a polarizing player. He's got immense talent and athletic ability, but he, he's also played hurt. He's had some injuries. There's been some uh, inconsistencies with him. Uh, being across from J.J. Watt, I think really helps uh, support his production 
Uh, I'm probably more interested in uh, Grady Jarrett signing his his big deal, that four-year, $68 million deal. Um, I know we play in some IDP leagues where you have to start defensive tackles, and Grady Jarrett, is uh, he's a tier below uh, Snacks Harrison and a couple of those other guys. He's definitely in that second tier, though, and he's had some games where he's put up some pretty good tackle numbers, and if you play in a balanced league like... Uh, like I do, uh, in, in the, I play in a 16-team IDP balance scoring league where defensive tackles get four points per tackle. I've had a couple games where Grady Jarrett's put up 20-plus uh, points for me, and it's really been uh, pretty helpful. I mean, he had uh, 52 combined tackles last year and eight tackles for loss. That's real good production from your uh, uh, defensive tackle spot. All right, so the NFC East camp battles. Uh, we're going to start, as always, in division from the division winner down to last place team. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, my beloved Dallas Cowboys, won the NFC East division last year. No real battle here uh, besides, uh, for the quarterback, I don't know why I was going to say besides, uh, Dak Prescott is the clear guy. The only question I have, really quick for you on Dak, is do you think he is worth the amount of money he is likely going to get paid this offseason for the Cowboys? Well, I think with Dak, uh, just like Melvin Gordon, the market for the position is a little bit out of whack. I, I think the market for running backs is is way down and uh, because it's easily replaceable. And the market for quarterbacks is really high because it's not as easily replaceable. And so, you know, if they keep winning 10, 11, 12 games and they make the playoffs, sure. I mean, Marvin Lewis... Kept the, kept the uh, Cincinnati job for 16, 18 years, something like that, by having relatively consistent winning seasons but not doing anything in the playoffs. So I actually think that Dak is going to take a, a, a nice step this year. I think with his you know 350-yard, six-touchdown rushing floor, uh, I expect his passing game to uh, take another step with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup taking a step this year. So I'm thinking uh, Dak is going to be in the you know 4,200 range as opposed to the 3,700 range. Yeah, I mean, I've been adamant that I don't think Dak is, is worth the best quarterback in the league money, which chances are he has a chance to get because that just seems to be the way contracts work out with the quarterback. It's, just, it's more of a timing thing than really your skill level. If it's your turn to get paid, you're likely going to get the next step up and be the highest-paid quarterback. I, I don't think that Dak is a bad quarterback. I like to give uh, him and the Cowboys a lot of shit on this podcast. More now, I feel like it's just a running joke than anything. I don't really hate the Cowboys. Uh, I do think Dak is a above-average QB. He is in the top tier, if you want to say top 15 in the league. I would say he's probably right there in the top 15, maybe at the edge on 15. Um, so I do think he deserves to get paid. Uh, you know, I have said before, I would not be surprised if the Cowboys don't pay him and try and get a quarterback in this year's draft because there are a lot of good quarterbacks likely coming out this year. But chances are they're going to pay Dak Prescott. I just hope that they don't go all out and pay him more than he is worth 
because Jerry Jones tends to do that because they do have a lot of other players coming up here soon. Uh, they will actually have a lot of cap room next year, which some people may not realize, so they could actually pay Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott when the time comes up. Uh, but they have some offensive linemen and some defensive players that will be coming up too that I would think they need or want to pay. Um, so the way that they structure these next couple of big deals between Cooper, uh, Dak, and Zeke is going to be crucial. Speaking of well, Zeke, I, I oh, don't think they're going to give give Dak top three money. I think he's probably going to end up in the five to ten range, mm-hmm. um, which is where he, he should be. I don't think he's going to be that uh, next quarterback that gets the highest paid, uh, in part because he he hasn't done anything to earn that. If he does, it's just because Jerry Jones is an idiot. Well, see, that's what I'm worried about. So I've heard a lot of talk lately that Jerry Jones is going to pay Dak um, what they all think he is worth. And, I, I, of course, we don't know what that is. We, he may, they may think that he's worth exactly what you're saying. But just seeing on Jerry Jones' past and what he's done and the way he's overpaid for certain players, I would be worried. That, I don't think they're going to make him the highest-paid quarterback in the league. I think Dak would even admit that he is not that. Now, I'm not saying that he wouldn't ask for that kind of money, but I think if they were to come to him with a decent contract, he would still sign it. Um, But that would be my biggest fears because you have Dak, you have Amari Cooper, who they probably believe is worth a wide receiver one type money, and then obviously Zeke. Out of those three, Zeke is the one that deserves the contract, in my opinion. I don't think that's unfair to say that's, you know, taking my Ohio State Buckeyes bias completely out of it. He is right there as one of the best, if not you could argue, the best running back in the league right now. Uh, the way that he has ran the ball for the Cowboys since he has been there, he's been the leading rusher two of his three years in the league, and the only reason he wasn't that middle year was because he was suspended for six games. I think if we're all honest, we know that he would have led the league then too. So for me, Zeke is the one who really deserves a huge contract. But again, we, we don't know what they'll do. I, I hope that they don't pay him the top as a top quarterback and then kind of hurt themselves because as much as I, again, like to give the the Cowboys and their fans a lot of grief, I mean, the way that they have really kind of rebuilt this team over the past couple of years and losing Tony Romo and the way that they had really some hard issues with the cap because they were pretty strapped for cash and the way they've kind of built through the draft with the offensive line and Zeke has been impressive to see this team kind of become what it is. Yeah, I – I could see Dak landing around that $30 million mark, which is the number five right now. Matt Ryan is $30 million a year. So it's going to be in that range. I think he, you know, Kirk Cousins is $28 million, Garoppolo $27.5, Stafford $27 million. So he's going to be in that range. Zeke, unfortunately for Zeke, he plays a devalued position that has, uh, and he's got a lot of touches his first three years. Yeah. You know, and he's going to get a lot of touches his fourth year, too. So, you know, he's going to, he, he's unfortunately, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, unfortunately. Before we get to Zeke, I will say, yeah, I probably, I do agree with you on that fact. I think if they pay him close to Matt Ryan numbers, they'll be fine. I do think that he's done more at least for that franchise than Jimmy G has, Matt Stafford has so far, and I can't remember who the other one was that you named, but I was not. Uh, not Kirk really. Cousins. Kirk Cousins, yeah. I mean, as much as I love Kirk Cousins, he has not taken anybody to uh, the playoffs and won a playoff game like Dak has. So I could see him make it more than those three. 
Zeke. So, obviously, we had some news break from him just here recently. We didn't talk about in the breaking news segment because we knew we were going to talking about him, we were going to be talking about him with the Cowboys. He has said that he is going to hold out of camp if he doesn't get a new deal as well. Again, same thing. I don't imagine this turns into a Le'Veon Bell situation. There's no way for us to know right now, so it's just worth monitoring. However, if you have Zeke, who would you be backing him up with, with and without the possible holdout? Because there's been a lot of talk, obviously, that one or two of these guys could possibly get some run even with Zeke there. I personally don't see that. I think Zeke gets 80% of the workload, whether he is uh, in camp or not. But obviously, he got him Tony Pollard and then Mike Weber in the draft this year. Does either one of those guys you expect to take the reins if Zeke is out? And then who do you expect to back Zeke up if it's somebody different? Well, they also have Darius Jackson on the roster. Um, and he's currently listed as the number two. Six foot, 220 pounder out of Eastern Michigan. He's 25 years old. So he's been in the league for a little bit. Um, Hasn't really done anything uh, exceptional. He's bounced around Green Bay, Dallas, Cleveland. Um, I think he's one of the, he's kind of that professional football player versus Pollard and Weber coming in as rookies. So if Zeke does hold out, I don't think that they're going to sign somebody before week one. Because if they sign a a vested veteran before week one, uh, they guarantee his contract for the entire season. So I think they roll with Jackson week one with Weber and Pollard backing him up. And then uh, sign a veteran uh, in week two. Who that veteran is, I don't know. Uh, You know, I haven't looked at the free agent list to see who's out there. And obviously, between now and uh, opening day, there will be some people cut. Uh, you know, if Rod Smith doesn't stick with the Giants, they, I could see them bringing him back or something like that, that since he's played in the system. Um, but I, I think that uh, Pollard has the potential to be the passing down back, and then it's going to be a fight between Jackson and Weber if Zeke is out. Uh, I, I think they'd like to have probably Weber step up and, and uh, take the reins, but I'm not... I'm not overly concerned that Zeke isn't going to be there. I read something uh, today on Twitter that they were talking about. It might have been Evan Silver or uh, Levitan or one of those guys talking about how uh, you know the, the new model for running backs uh, is to go after year three uh, and try to get your money because you're still you still haven't you don't have four full years of wear on you um, if you're a first round running back that is because you've got that fifth year option. Yeah. So with two years left is when you start trying to get your money so that you can uh, uh, establish, uh, extend your contract sooner. We'll we'll have to wait and see. You know, Le'Veon Bell took his route, and it sounds like Melvin Gordon is kind of threatening that, and uh, Zeke is playing along. I, I don't think Zeke has to be in training camp to come in week one and carry the ball 25 times. You know, he knows the offense. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, really, that that's what they have now. They they can all realistically use that threat, and it, it means more now that Le'Veon Bell did what he did. Like, I really think he kind of set a precedent 
for the rest of the the industry and for those players that really they can make that threat. And even if they don't show up to camp or even miss a couple games, it may seem like they're going to go the full Le'Veon Bell route, and teams might get nervous of that. So it'll definitely be interesting to see. I'm with you, though. I don't think I don't think Zeke holds out. I think he's going to get paid eventually. I wouldn't be surprised if it's something where. They come to him and say, look, we're going to pay you next year. He may not want that. It's, it's a sticky situation. I, I am right there with the players, I, I'm, but I understand why they may not want to pay him too. As it, When it comes to his backup, I'm right there with you. I think Mike Weber's the guy. We've seen it at Ohio State. Um, it, you know, Before Dobbins came in, he was really good. A lot of people were actually thrilled to see Mike Weber in that backfield. He was the guy when Zeke left, and then some injuries kind of slowed him down, and then Dobbins showed up and was just kind of a transcendent talent as well that kind of moved Weber into a a split role. Uh, But he can do both the running and the receiving. Dallas' offensive line is amazing, which the Buckeyes struggled with a little bit in the past couple years, and a lot of the players that they lost on their offensive line as well, I think kind of hurt Weber's uh, production a little bit, but I think Weber will be the guy. For the wide receivers, so we do know Amari Cooper will be the one there for the for the Cowboys. We saw him come in last year, and, and in all honesty, uh, I'll admit, had a great second half of the season. It's not easy for a wide receiver to be traded midseason and pick up a new offense. Uh, you know, just look at what Golden Tate did uh, with the Giants uh, when he got traded over from the from uh, oh my goodness, he's not the, he didn't get traded no, to the Giants. He went from the Lions to yeah, the Eagles. Exactly, he's with the Giants now. Uh, what he did with uh, with the Eagles. We saw that Tate struggled, but then Amari Cooper did come over and had a great year with the Cowboys. You know, again, I do think he had a little bit of an advantage, and he went in um, from Oakland's bye week, and then also uh, the Cowboys had a bye week or something like that. He ended up not playing for two weeks, though, altogether, um, and, and really got a chance to learn the Cowboys' offense, so I think that helped them out a lot. But who is going to be the number two there? They obviously have a long list of guys, many who like uh, Michael Gallup, who they drafted last year. Um, They also have all kinds of other guys. I forgot. Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb, that's who the one that was coming over. So Randall Cobb obviously came over in free agency as well. You've got Lance Lenore, Devin Smith, you know, fellow Buckeye, uh, Cedric Wilson, John Vay Johnson, Alan Hearns I don't think is going to be there with the injury that he suffered last year, but he's technically still on the roster. Jalen Gutton, Reggie Davis, and then Noah Brown and Tavon Austin. Who do you think takes that second role on the outside and the possible uh, slot spot? Well, I think going into the season, we're looking at uh, Cobb in the slot and Michael Gallup on the outside. I I don't think you can uh, emphasize enough how well Amari Cooper transitioned to the Cowboys. It's rare for a uh, wide receiver to change teams in the offseason and do better the following season with the new team than he did the previous year. let alone change midseason and get better. So I feel like Amari Cooper is far and away going to be the guy, but then that's going to open up Michael Gallup for single coverage. Um, and I think he's going to take another step. He, uh, let me see what, I forget what his, uh, what kind of numbers he put up last year. Uh, so Gallup had 68 targets last season and put up 500 yards. Uh, the, the trouble were with him was, uh, catching the ball. Uh, he, 
he didn't struggle with catching the ball in college, and so I think it was more of a, an adjustment to the NFL game. Uh, he ended up with a 48.5% catch rate, which which is not good. Um, so I, I feel like Gallup is going to take that next step. Randall Cobb uh, showed that uh, he couldn't handle the limelight of being a number one when he was in, in Green Bay. And he'll come in and, I think, be productive in the slot. He's certainly uh, better than Tavon Austin. You know, the rest of their receiving core is, is just a bunch of guys, and, and it, it's a crapshoot that to, who's going to step up and be the number four, number five guy. So I, I wouldn't. none of them are going to be fantasy relevant. But I can see Gallup being a value play as the number two, especially if Dak takes another step. Uh, Cobb might absorb some from the slot, absorb some uh, tight end targets. You know, they've got Witten and uh, not much else there. And, and Witten, honestly, doesn't have a whole lot left. And I think he'll be a, a part time player since coming back from the booth. So it's really going to be uh, for me, if I'm going with a second player uh, from the Dallas wide receivers, it's Michael Gallup. Yeah, I'm right there with you, too. Um, I want to throw out one guy because I know, actually, I'll say all three of us, you, me, and a friend of the show, Jeremy Barker, were all on him last year in Noah Brown. Um, I think he might have a shot to step up in that slot role if Randall Cobb struggles. Um, I I could be wrong on that. Someone I would just stash deep dynasty-wise. But for me, yeah, it's Michael Gallup on the outside, Randall Cobb as kind of a dart throw right now, as I do think he's going to be the lead guy for that slot role. But I do like Noah Brown. I think he's a very good wide receiver, very young still, too, only 21 years old. I mean, that's insane to think that he's been in the league already for a couple of years, left Ohio State as a fairly raw receiver, and he's still only 21 years old. Uh, he, sh- he, I think if given a shot, he could break out this year for the Cowboys. Yeah, Brown has real good size. Um, they, they employed him a lot last year, and, what's often referred to as the light end position in a lot of teams, yeah. which is really a blocking wide receiver. Yeah. You know, he's about six foot, 225, six one, 225. And so uh, he didn't, he didn't get a ton of targets last year, only eight targets in eight games, but uh, he, he does get on the field to in, I think he ends up being the number four, probably out of the guys that are mentioned at worst, number five, and part of his value is that special teams and his ability to block. The tight end, you you were just kind of mentioning Witten. We know he's obviously come back out of the booth and has joined the Cowboys again. Um, For me, I'm right there with you. I don't imagine he has any real fantasy value this year. However, they do have Schultz, Jarwin, and Gathers sitting there as their other tight ends. Do you think any any of those three could be the future tight end in Dallas? Any of them could. Uh, I mean, it's. Well, do you have faith in any of any of those three? No, no. Okay, neither do you, I. You know, I I think for me uh, the play is uh, Dalton Schultz. It's really throw him on your taxi squad, give him a couple years, and see if he develops. He was a good pass catcher at Stanford, um, and. and even though he didn't get a ton of volume there either. So it's an opportunity with tight end being the type of position it is when it comes to fantasy. It doesn't take a whole lot to be in that, you know, 10 to 12 range, 10 to 14 range. Yeah. 
And so Dalton Schultz, uh, you know, by the end of this season, going into next year, uh, he, he could step up. He did catch 70, almost 71% of his passes last year. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I don't think any three of those, I guess, if you wanted to, Schultz, I'll, I'll go ahead and agree with you there, but I wouldn't I wouldn't really worry about stashing any three of those I mean, guys. I think we've determined after four years now, four off-seasons or however many it seems like, Rico Gathers is not going to be yeah. a thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. All right, so the Philadelphia Eagles, they um, – Paid Carson Wentz, that's really it. I mean, I thought it was a great contract for him and for the Eagles. I know a lot of people were uh, up in arms about it a little bit, saying that he didn't deserve it, mostly I think because Nick Foles won a Super Bowl for him. I think everybody seems to forget that Carson Wentz really was the MVP of the league up until that injury. And realistically, if you look at his contract, what he'll be getting paid in a couple years will likely be um, him getting underpaid at the position if he continues to play, at least the way that he's shown he can play. So I love that contract for him and the Eagles. Do you have any thoughts on him and his contract? No, I, I definitely feel like that he's worth it. It's it's what the position goes for, so it's it's hard to argue with that. He comes in, uh, let's see, you know, $32 million. He's 27 years old. Uh, he's not a free agent until 2025, so they, they've got five years to figure out uh, is he good enough in – you know, without looking at spot track, I, I'm sure there's going to be a couple points over the life of the contract where you can, where the Eagles can get out of it. Mm-hmm. I, the bigger, the bigger issue I think for the Eagles is given the fact that uh, Carson Wentz gets these fluke injuries, uh, is Nate Sudfield going to be a capable backup if he has to come in for three or four or five games? So, I think so. Uh, I know a lot of Eagles stuff that I've listened to. I know we've actually both talked about. Um, we've listened to uh, uh, Fantasy Football Morning on Sirius XM, where Adam Kaplan and John Hansen both uh, do a radio show on Sirius XM on the Fantasy Channel. I, I listen to that in the mornings at times when I can. Um, and both of them living in the Philadelphia area are both, especially Adam Kaplan, is very well connected to the Philadelphia Eagles organization. Um, and I was actually listening to an episode probably a month or so ago, um, and they were talking about how Nate Sudfeld has really kind of impressed the coaching staff and everything, and they think he's going to be more than a capable backup behind Carson Wentz. It was part of the reason why they had no fear seeing Nick Foles walk. And I, I'm also a big Clayton Thorson fan. I, I don't think he steps up and is the backup immediately. I do still think Sudfeld stays that guy. Um, but I think Clayton Thorson is a guy who could also step up in place of Wentz, possibly in the coming years if he does suffer any kind of injury. The running backs. I mean, just wow. This is probably going to be our longest segment on the podcast today because there's just a lot of them here in Philadelphia. Josh Adams, Corey Clement, Jordan Howard, who was brought over in the offseason, Donnell Pumphrey, Miles Sanders, who they drafted, Boston Scott, who they also brought over this year in free agency, and then Wendell Smallwood. We both are obviously huge fans of Miles Sanders. We think he gets the job eventually. However, it's likely that he is not going to take the starting role, at least to start the season off. How do you think the season starts in this running backfield? Who 
do you think is fantasy relevant? Let's just say redraft, and and I guess we can say we'll talk somewhat on dynasty, but just right now, who do you think is the most fantasy relevant player in this backfield? I think that Sanders and Howard are both going to be fantasy relevant. Um, Howard more so, I think, at the beginning of the year, or, or more consistently so. I think at the end of the year, Howard will be relevant, but he's going to be a lot more touchdown dependent when it gets later in the year because I feel like Sanders will establish that he's a, a capable runner as time goes on. He, he's a good pass catcher. I think Corey Clement is the number three, and he's the one I think that'll start out uh, sort of backing up that passing down back. So him and Sanders will split the passing downs, and Sanders and Howard will split the running downs. But I think, San, you know, the, for the first eight weeks of the season, I probably want to own Jordan Howard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, Sanders and Clement. But at any given time during that, that stretch, any one of them could be the one that puts up the yards or the uh, catches the passes, gets in the end zone. It is going to be challenging. I saw uh, somebody posted on Twitter again. I should probably make notes of these things <laughs> since I th- I keep remembering them. But uh, they were saying that Jordan Howard has more rushing yards than, gosh, who was it? Oh, Devontae Freeman. Yeah. I think... I think people forget how good Jordan Howard is. He is a capable running back. He had two good years in Chicago. This last year, I think, really just because of Matt Nagy's system is what kind of pushed him down the boards with the, with the way that Tariq Cohen stepped up as well. We, we saw that Howard is just not that good of a receiving back, and I'm sure that's what hurt him a little bit, but he is much better than I think a lot of people want to give him credit for. He, he's finished as a top fantasy option every year that he's been in the league. Yeah, I mean, he carried the ball 250 times last year and had nine touchdowns. Yeah. So he really took a hit last year in the efficiency at only 3.7 yards per attempt. Mm -hmm. So that definitely needs to uh, pick up. But he did catch 20 of 26 passes. They just didn't throw him the ball that much, and rightfully so, probably. He's not a he's not a terrific pass catcher. Uh, he fights the ball quite a lot, <laughs> but he's a you know he's definitely a good running back. I think with Philadelphia's offensive line, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he gets two hundred and twenty five carries this year and has four point one yards per carry and another eight or ten touchdowns. Yeah, so for I'm talking me, myself into going out and buying him. Oh, see, I have been because you can get him so late. Like Miles Sanders is going the last the last FFWC stuff that I looked at. Miles Sanders was going in like the seventh and eighth round, and Jordan Howard was going in the twelve and thirteen. I mean, that's just ridiculous. I mean, I get it. Miles Sanders is is an ultra talented back. He was my favorite back in this class. Like I argued him over David Montgomery with myself all the time, and I could have gone either way. I mean, I love David Montgomery as well, but I just love what I think Miles Sanders could become. But he's just not going to be the guy right away. He's already struggling with injuries. We've already heard many players on Philadelphia talk about how this is a high IQ offense. It's not something you can just come right in and do. And even with the running back position where we've seen them come in the NFL and produce right away, you still have to learn the offense and get adjusted to it. And we saw Miles Sanders miss the entire camp due to that hamstring injury. 
So he's not going to, he, yeah, he's going to be able to come in now, hopefully healthy, but Jordan Howard already has a leg up on him. So I'm with you. I think Howard is going to be the guy uh, on Clement. Jim Kemsky of the Philadelphia Voice reports that he is the favorite to replace Darren Sproles on passing downs. Um, we've seen what Corey Clement can do. He is an explosive back when healthy. So if you have Miles Sanders in um, a dynasty league or a redraft league, I would try and back him up with Jordan Howard and or Corey, Corey Clement. Uh, but I do think Jordan Howard is likely going to be the more fantasy-relevant guy, at least for the first half of the season. We'll see if maybe they move on from him once the trade deadline comes along and then try and move to more Miles Sanders, Corey Clement. Um, but if I had to own both of them or one of them, I would take Jordan Howard just based on his value ADP-wise right now for fans. Yep. The wide receivers is not as much of a battle here as the running backs. So wait, I guess I should say really quick on running backs – um, do you think any of those guys have any more value? Because I think for me, Josh Adams, Donnell Pumphrey, uh, Wendell Smallwood, and Boston Scott, as much as I hate to say it, are probably all nothing. Now, obviously, they're not going. all of them are going to make camp. I think Wendell Smallwood has probably got the best chance to, to come in and be that guy who sits on the bench in case someone gets hurt. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, can you play special teams? Yeah. So... Whoever fits best on special teams is going to make the team out of that group. All right, so anyways, back to the wide receivers. We all know Jeffrey is is considered their one. I mean, I, I would probably – I'm not someone who's going to draft Alshon Jeffrey, but he is their wide receiver one right now on their team. You've got a battle on that second side between – I don't even really think it's a battle right now. I do think Deshaun Jackson is going to get that role. Really what comes down to is that slot role. If you think Jackson's going to slide in there, then who goes to the outside? But you've got that battle between three players, really. And J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Mac Hollins, and Nelson Aguilar. There has been a lot of talk that Nelson Aguilar will likely get traded this season. So your thoughts on who possibly either gets on the outside opposite of Jeffrey or who moves into the slot? Well, I don't know that Jackson is necessarily a good fit in the slot. He's that lid lifter. He's he's the one guy on that team that has the speed to do that. So I feel like he's going to be on the outside opposite of Alshon Jeffrey. Jeffrey is the unquestioned number one, in my opinion, and provided uh, he avoids the dreaded soft tissue injuries, you know, he, he's the guy. He, he doesn't really separate very well anymore, but he's big, 6'3", 225". Uh, you know, he goes up and gets the contested catch. Uh, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside is the same way. So I think if you have the two of them uh, with Jackson, I, I could see uh, a, a nice three-receiver setup with them guys. Usually it's only going to be two of them because they run 12 personnel a lot with, with Goddard and Ertz. Um, so it's probably going to be... Uh, Jackson and Jeffrey for the most part with, uh, you know, Whiteside. Hollins is, has struggled with injuries, and as much as I like Mac Hollins, I just don't know if uh, at this point he's going to be able to get past that injury bug or is Whiteside going to be able to flash his skill set and sort of uh, leap over Hollins and take that wide receiver three spot. 
I think he will. Um, I've also been a, a big J-Jaw fan here from the beginning. I know me and uh, uh, Garrett Price, who's really kind of taken up that mantle and run with it on Twitter. Um, I, I've loved J-Jaw for a while now, as you know. I think he easily could step up. I think he could – I mean, we've already talked about I know we both mentioned that we think he could easily replace Alshon Jeffrey in a year with, the, with his ability, especially in contested catches and in the red zone. Um, but I think right now it's – Likely going to be Jeffrey Jackson. I actually think Aguilar is going to start there, and and him and Hollins kind of battle it out for a little bit until Aguilar is either traded or if Hollins is finally able to stay healthy and get on the field and stay on the field because I do think Matt Collins is probably more talented uh, than Aguilar. But for fantasy, uh, I'm probably only going with Jeffrey Jackson in best ball league because I don't know if you can trust his consistent. I mean, he's never been consistent. I don't know why I was about to say his consistency. Uh, a great best ball player, but he's never been consistent to play for a week-to-week game. Uh, at tight end, how do you think this is going to go with Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard? I mean, we saw him a little bit, Goddard, getting some work last year um, at times. Do you think that's going to become more of a split, or Zach Ertz is still going to kind of dominate and be the, the tight end one, top three tight end that he's been the past couple of years? Oh, I fully expect uh, Ertz to continue to be the, the clear number one there. Goddard is a good tight end, but he's not. Zach Ertz, uh, and with them playing 12 personnel, there's room for both of them to, to get plenty of uh, targets. Well, Goddard had 44 targets last year, and Ertz had 156. Ertz was probably not going to get 156 targets, but if he gets 125, uh, Jeffrey was at 92 over 13 games. Uh their wide receiver two last year was Aguilar at 97. So they throw the ball. There's, there's no shortage of targets to go around. Uh, 592 targets last year. So I could see Goddard bumping up from 44 targets to 70 targets with with uh, Ertz still around 125. And that still is uh, plenty of room for Jeffrey or uh, oh, what's his name? Deshaun Jackson to have one of them to push a hundred targets and another one to push, you know, 70, 75 or 80 targets. So there's plenty of targets to go around there in Philadelphia. So, uh, both of the Philly tight ends are going to be re- quite relevant in fantasy. So then let me ask you really quick, cause I agree with what you said. If you had to draft one or the other, who you're going to draft in the fantasy draft? It depends on – it really depends. Um, you know, when when you get a lot of teams, you start to do different things. Mm-hmm. So if I am if I decide I want to go tight end early, then I don't have any issues with drafting Ertz in the third round to, to go tight end early and lock up that position. Uh, but I, I, I like Goddard later paired with another tight end and just kind of play the matchups. It's, it, it just, I, I usually don't draft a tight end early, so I'm going to go out. I'm just going to say Goddard because I don't usually draft tight ends early. It's very rare that I do. Uh, I, I just don't see the real, I, I don't see the value of the tight end so much over uh, wide receivers and running backs. So I'd probably go with, with Goddard. 
Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, to get Ertz, you're likely having to take him in the middle to the back end of the second round. Some people have even been taking him as high as the first round. So I'm right there with you. I'd rather take the shares of Goddard all day long and then getting a guy in the 5 to 10 range at tight end even as far back as the 5th or 6th round as well because you can get Goddard even later than that. So give me Goddard all day long, and I'll do the same thing as you said, just play in the matchups. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Midwest Fantasy Football Expo, August 18th at 12 p.m. at the Canton Cultural Center in Canton, Ohio. Hey, folks, that was my best advertiser voice. It doesn't get any better than that, so hold on. Uh, On August 18th, uh, Bob Lung is hosting the Midwest Fantasy Football Expo, and yours truly from the Fantasy Football Roundtable will be there. Uh, I'm going to be rolling... uh, the wheel of knowledge out. Uh, we'll have some fun things going on. There's going to be lots of people, dynasty nerds, Rotoviz, uh, fantasy footballers represented, the back row show. Uh, lots of people there. It's going to be a blast. Uh, if you use promo code Knights, K N I G H T S, you'll get $5 off your admission. Uh, it's only $20 and you get $5 off, which makes it only $15. There's going to be podcasts, there's going to be writers, there's going to be lots of fantasy football experts. There will be panels talking about dynasty strategy and redraft strategy. Bob Lung's consistency guide. There's going to be a swag bag with over $100 worth of goodies in it that you'll get. Um, we're going to do a live mock draft with experts. You'll be able to watch and see what we're really thinking in real time. Uh, it's going to be a blast, and we hope to see you there. Uh, you can find it at uh, MidwestFFExpo.com. Yeah, and no, just actually announced on Twitter about five minutes ago, a big fan favorite of a lot of people, uh, the Ball Blast ladies will also be there. They just announced they will be attending uh, the Expo as well. So just a huge great amount of knowledge that is going to be there for you guys i highly suggest if you can get there get there as as then it's just said you can use our promo code knights pay 15 dollars to get in you get all this knowledge all these booths will have free stuff you can get free swag as he mentioned a hundred dollar bag there's gonna be a hundred dollars worth of stuff in that bag that you get and again you're only paying 15 dollars and you get to meet everybody discuss stuff with them so it's going to be a lot of fun if again if you guys can make it up there for that i would highly suggest you do it Moving on to the Washington Redskins. I don't know if this is necessarily going to be a battle, so I'll just ask you if you think it's going to be a battle. Dwayne Haskins or Case Keenum? Do you think Keenum starts the year, or do they go straight off and give it to the rookie Dwayne Haskins? You know, it's interesting. Haskins has been probably the one of the least talked about rookies yeah. during this offseason. There hasn't been hardly a peep out of Washington. Uh, I think Haskins has got his nose to the grindstone. Um, the The thing that concerns me is the old, uh, you know, Jay Gruden's been around a while, and a lot of times those guys will be more like, uh, oh, I need to start the veteran because he gives us the best chance to win because he's not going to, he isn't likely to make as many mistakes. Um so I think Haskins, you know, if it's even coming out of training camp, it's going to be Keenum. Uh, Haskins is going to have to beat out Keenum. Uh, I think he can. Uh, I'm My money's on Haskins. I feel like he's going to go in. Uh, he's going to 
be positive. He's going to work hard. He's going to show that arm. He's going to have a good grasp of the offense. And uh, he, he's going to go in there and uh, he's going to show he's the guy. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I love Haskins. I think he's going to just – we already saw him having a little bit of a connection there with Terry McLaurin in the in the rookie camp stuff. I think I think he's going to come in there and light it up. Nothing against Case Keenum. I think he, he's – more than a serviceable he's a journeyman backup. Yeah, but I mean, he's he's proved that he can play well. But I do think that Dwayne Haskins is the type of quarterback and the type of player that can be a franchise quarterback. Uh, so I do think that he's going to be able to show up there and, and just and blow blow the doors off there and become the starter. The running back situation here, though, got a little bit more interesting. At least some people think so. I think it's a little to do about nothing. And the news that Darius guys hurt his hamstring all of almost a month ago now at this point. It was three weeks ago. But everybody is freaking out, thinking that this is going to delay his process. I do think it is a little bit of bad news in the fact that this is now his second soft tissue injury since being in the league, obviously tore his ACL, unfortunately, in the preseason last year, now dealing with the hamstring. I would say that the two are probably connected. You're trying to come back from an ACL injury and you hurt your hamstring. It probably has something to do with you trying to come back from an ACL injury. But if he's not able to take over, I think we all know that Adrian Peterson is going to be the guy. Chris Thompson is the receiving back. But let's just say that Darius Geis is good to go and is able to participate in camp and preseason. How do you think that this backfield shapes out if all three of those guys are healthy? Well, I think that Geis will be the starter. Peterson will be the backup. Thompson will be the third down guy. Um, I I think that there will be some opportunities for Geis to show he can catch the ball. Uh, But coming off an injury... They're not gonna, they're not gonna overwork him. Um, so they'll let Peterson take, you know, every third or fourth series, so that guys can uh, keep keep his legs fresh. You know, the, the soft tissue injuries when you're coming back from an ACL are are all too common in football. So you, you just got to kind of manage it. It's as long as he didn't tear his hamstring at all. Uh, and it's just a, a, a tweak and a bruise, as long as it's nothing too bad, then then by all means, let, let guys carry the ball and show. You know, Peterson is a, a tough back at this stage in, of his career. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he might break one like he did last season if everything is blocked perfectly. But for the most part now, Peterson is a, a three-and-a-half-yard-a-carry pounder. Uh if you need if you need one yard, you can you know if you want to block five guys against seven, Peterson will still get you that one yard. But he's uh, yeah, he, he's well past his prime, and uh, now I think if he wants to continue playing, he's going to have to learn how to be uh, that mentor, that backup, that short yardage guy, the occasional guy. Uh, you know, I don't know if his makeup will allow him to do that. And he talked about, well, I, I think I can rush for 2,000 yards. Yeah. Which, so, you know, it's going to come down to whether Geis is healthy or not. And also whether Thompson can stay healthy. So, for instance, if Geis is reasonably healthy and starts the year and Thompson gets dinged up again, then I could see a scenario where if Geis shows he can catch the ball, that Peterson starts to get more carries and Geis starts to get some of the third down work. 
Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say, actually. I think if all three come in healthy, it's going to be Geis' show mixed in with Chris Thompson. I, I think that that's going to be the way that they play it. However, I could actually see Chris Thompson, as he's dealt with injuries throughout his entire career, having the same thing happen, where he struggles with some kind of injury, and it ends up forcing Geis to kind of take over that role, and then Adrian Peterson getting more rushes. Um so that, that's the way that I would play it. I think if Geis is going to be healthy, that's, it's something we're going to have to watch, and obviously we'll talk about it throughout this, the offseason and everything as it goes on. Uh, but Geis, for me, is going to be the unquestioned one if he's healthy. Peterson, the backup, Thompson, the receiving role. And then if Thompson were to get hurt, that might switch up just a little bit between those two and move Geis. I still think Geis will get more of the workload, but I could see Adrian Peterson getting a little bit more run if Thompson is out. Um, and I did want to touch on, we are both big fans of Bryce Love. Obviously, I don't think he does much of anything this year, uh, but I do think he is worth a stash because I could very easily see this being um, a, a, do, a split backfield between him and, and guys. Uh, I know you, again, are a huge fan of Bryce Love. Do you have any thoughts on him? I, I concur with you. I think he's, you know, he's coming back off that injury, and he's going to need a little more time to get fully up to speed. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if they redshirt him. Essentially, yeah. Um, you know, they still got some IGP Ryan. I think Fat Rob's out there floating around. So, if it ends up that uh, that's the case, then that's fine. But I think Love he can come in, and uh, him and uh, Geis could really, you know, form a nice duo if they can both stay healthy. Oh yeah. All right, so this is going to be kind of the, the most interesting battle, I think, here, because I think all of these spots are up for grabs, and that's the wide receiver position in Washington. So you have Josh Doxson, who has obviously been there the longest. You've got Trey Quinn, Brian Quick, Paul Richardson, who's got the biggest contract out, all, out of all of them. And then they obviously drafted Terry McLaurin and Kelvin Harmon, both players who are getting a lot of pub toward the end of the whole draft season last year. I should say the combine season with what we saw out of the combine with Terry McLaurin and then what we didn't see out of Kelvin Harmon. Your thoughts on how this whole entire wide receiver tree shakes out? Because obviously a lot of people do not believe in Josh Doxson. Do you think he still holds on to the one spot, or does this just come – I I just got to know where you're going to go. I don't think there's any other way to phrase it than what you think happens with this wide receiver core. Yeah, I, I think Dotson holds on to the one spot, and I think Calvin Harmon is his backup, um, in part because he's he's the veteran and he is uh, he, he's going to understand the role. There is going to be he's going to provide that consistency. Richardson, who's a veteran, also is probably going to make the team. He's got a, a thirteen million dollar dead cap hit if they if they were to cut him. Um, so they're going to keep him around. They might, they might give Richardson a, an extension of some sort to uh, reduce his cap hit. But that's probably not going to happen at this point in the year. But with a $13 million cap hit, Richardson's going to be there even if he's the fourth or fifth receiver. You know, Trey Quinn's looked good in the slot in the past, and I think they're going to probably try to give him uh, the opportunity to, to perform in that role. So that leaves uh, McLaurin and Quick. So I would expect, it wouldn't surprise me a bit if the starting three are Dotson, McLaurin, and Quick, with Harmon backing up Dotson, uh, Richardson backing up Quinn. Uh, or I said Quick, Quick, not I meant Quinn. I got you. So 
Dotson, McLaurin, and Quinn in the slot with Richards, Richardson backing up Quinn and Quick backing up McLaurin. Uh, but I don't know, do, do teams carry six wide receivers? Uh, I, a lot of it just depends on and something we were just talking about earlier with the running backs in Philly is special teams. Can any of these guys play special teams, which I think Quick can? Um, I'm right there with you. I think this – them bringing in Dwayne Haskins, especially if he is the starter, is going to be Doxon's last shot. Um, and I do think that he remains that starter on the outside. I actually would not be surprised if Doxon actually breaks out this year. Uh, I, I, we both talked about how much we like Haskins. Doxon is not a bad prospect, and he was a very good college player at TCU. He just has not had a really good Wide receiver, I shouldn't wide receiver, he is a wide receiver. A really good quarterback to get him the ball. He was injured a lot with Kirk Cousins. Um, and even then, a lot of the stuff that they, that, you know, Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen did in Minnesota was after the catch stuff with Kirk Cousins. I would not be surprised if Doxon has himself a good year here. If, if I had to pick three, uh, I'm going to agree with the three that you picked. I think it's going to be Doxon and McLaurin on the outsides with Quinn in the slot. Harmon backing up Doxon, and then Quick, I think, is going to be more of a special teams guy with Richardson there on the bench. And if Doxon is not able to perform, I would not be surprised if Kelvin Harmon takes over and pushes McLaurin to the number one spot at some point in time in this season because I think Kelvin Harmon is just as good of a prospect as we all thought he was. Uh, I think the combine hurt his stock a lot more than it should have. Kelvin Harmon balled out. He looked really good in college. I would not be surprised if we start to see that sooner rather than later this year, especially if Doxon does not um, does not kind of come out and, and show us what he we all thought he could be when he was drafted out of TCU. Last but not least for the Washington Redskins, we've got the tight end position. Uh, I mean, for me, I'm avoiding all three of these guys. I, I will not draft them. Uh, but they do st- technically still have Jordan Reed, um, Vernon Davis, and Jeremy Sprinkle there. Uh, any of these guys doing it for you in fantasy? Well, I think Reed is an interesting option because he's proven that he can be productive when he's healthy. Uh, so for me, if I'm, let's say I'm drafting Dallas Goddard, Reed is a pretty good guy to pair him up with and, and play matchups as long as he's healthy. So if I can get Reed at value late, uh, you know, people are really off Reed right now. And uh, I, I like what he can do. He's, he's shown that he's uh, a productive tight end. You know, Vernon Davis, I think, is just running out of gas. And uh, Jeremy Sprinkle is, uh, you, you know, he's just a guy. You know, one of the guys that we don't have on the list here um, that they signed as a free agent, a street free agent or a college free agent uh, after he was cut by Detroit is is my man Donald Parham. (laughs) So, you know, when you talk about uh, a red zone threat at six foot eight and 242 pounds with roughly four, six speed, you know, Parham is is a, a. He's rough when it comes to being uh, a tight end because he played at uh, Stetson, you know, very small college, uh, but it put up over 1,200 yards and 96 catches, I think, in his uh, uh, senior year. Uh, maybe it was more than 1,200, but it was he 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 averaged 105 yards a game in, in his senior year. So if I'm going to take a flyer and throw somebody on my 
taxi squad for dynasty it, it might be donald parham yeah uh, i mean i guess if, if you want to do that i don't think that's a bad strategy to do that would be the one that i would go for i mean jordan reed is going really late so he is a guy that you can snag late in pretty much every draft and if you want to take a shot on him I guess if you've got another – for me, I would not pair him with, say, a Dallas Goddard. I think I would have to have a more proven tight end just because I think his injury history worries me so much. I just don't think you can count on Reed at all. So if you could possibly get, you know, a Cook, um, Ingram, Kittle, Ertz, obviously any of the top three guys um, – um, who am I forgetting? Kelsey – uh, you know, if you can get any of those guys, maybe grab Jordan Reed uh, or maybe an Njoku type who's kind of a question mark as well, but it will at least be on the field most games. Uh, maybe pair him with one of those guys, but I just, I'd be a little worried about taking Reed because I think he's just really obviously struggled to stay on the field what feels like the past five, six years. Yeah. Last but not least, the New York Giants. Um, not necessarily a quarterback battle here, at least I don't think. Uh, we've seen them come out and say that Eli Manning is going to be the starter. Uh, so I'll just preface it this way. Do you think we see Daniel Jones at all in 2019? I do. Um, honestly, as uh, much of a competitor as Eli Manning is, uh, you know, He's clearly out of gas. It, he kind of reminds me of the Dennis Quaid character in uh, Any Given Sunday after you know he's taken one too many hits. And I, I feel like, uh, I honestly, I don't think it's outside of the range of outcomes that Manning goes into training camp and retires before the season starts. Wow, okay. Yeah. You know, he, he could just look that bad and feel that bad that he goes, you know what, I'm not doing this team any favors by playing, and so I'm going to step aside right now. Um, again, I don't think there's a real high possibility of that happening, but it is certainly within the range of uh, outcomes. Uh, I think Daniel Jones is going to be a decent quarterback. He's going to be at least as good as Eli Manning. Uh Regular Eli Manning, not late career <laughs> Eli Manning. Yeah, I'm glad um, you made that distinction because I was just about to ask you about that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I definitely see Jones playing this year, and I, I feel like it, my gut tells me that he'll be the starter before the season ends. Yeah, um, so the way I look at it, um, I've been a staunch – I shouldn't say staunch, but – I don't think Eli Manning's play was quite as bad as a lot of people want to say it was last year. I do think a lot of that comes down to just how bad his offensive line was. If you really go in and look at his stats, they match up fairly favorably to his entire career. Now, maybe, I mean, that is what it is. If you just want to say Eli Manning's not that good of a quarterback, I got nothing for you. I really, I guess I can't argue that motion, um, but... I don't know if he would retire at the beginning of the year. I do think, however, probably by week six, they they likely could move on to Daniel Jones and, and get rid of Eli. They have um, quite a rough go of it here in the first few weeks, so I was trying to, to pull up their schedule really quick. So they start off against the Cowboys – then they get the Bills, which is probably a game they could win. But then they got the Buccaneers. I mean, say what you will, but the Bucks will probably be a competitive game. The Redskins, the Vikings, the Patriots. So 
that's how they start off the first part of their schedule. Then they go into, again, Cardinals, Lions. Neither one of those games, I think, is going to be an easy game for them to win either. So I could easily see the Giants going in and possibly being 1-6, and 2-5, something like that. And if that's the case, I think Daniel Jones does make his way onto the field. Um, I personally do not think Daniel Jones is quite as bad as everybody else said he was and, and how they kind of made it. How they kind of made him feel, or or, or I guess how they made it sound that he was not that bad. I know we all kind of joked about as well, both of us on the podcast, with the whole um, him, uh, the the montage videos that they cut up of him throwing uh, check downs to the running backs and everything. Right. I think he is obviously much better than that. He's a very athletic quarterback. I, I don't I don't understand all the hate he's getting because he has yet to throw an NFL pass, really. I think we should give him a shot. And I do think that he'll be, as you put it, I think he could be just as good as Eli Manning or right around that range, which we saw Eli Manning have a good career, really, if you go back and look at his numbers. I mean, he won two Super Bowls. I think if you could say right now that Daniel Jones could come in and be Eli Manning and bring two Super Bowls over whatever it's been, his his upteenth career here, 12, 13, 14, 15 years in the NFL, Daniel Jones would take that. New York Giants fans would take it. So I would say let's give him a shot, but I'm with you. I think that he gets a shot to play at some point in time this year. My guess would be right around week six or week seven. Obviously no battle in the backfield. We all know Saquon is going to be the guy. He's uh, just a monster. He's the best. Uh, I can't imagine. I guess the main question for him, although we haven't really seen it, he did struggle a little bit with some injuries that time, but he played in every single game, really didn't sit on the bench much either. If Saquon was to get hurt, do you have any thoughts or belief in any of these guys to step up behind him and Wayne Gallman? John Hillman, Elijah Penny, Paul Perkins, and Rod Smith. Well, Smith has shown in Dallas that he's a a solid third down back. Gallman has shown that he's a a capable back as well. So I I don't think any of them are fantasy relevant unless um, Barkley gets injured. So I, I would be staying away from them and hoping I'd beat people to the waiver wire and bid more fab dollars. Yeah. But, you know, Barkley has shown that he's, he's you know, he's a stud and he's going to play. Gallman is his direct backup right now, and I think Rod Smith is going to come in and be the number three. So, you know, take it for what, what you will. If, if you want to stash a guy on your at the end of your bench just in case, uh, you know, I'd probably go with Gallman. Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you. Uh, same thing. Just if you own Saquon Barkley and he goes down to injury, just be prepared to overspend like crazy on the waiver wire that next week because chances are nobody else is going to have any of those backs to back him up unless they've got some kind of foresight that none of us have. Uh, so just be prepared and ready to do that. Hopefully that doesn't happen. You know, obviously we don't wish injury injury on any player, and especially someone as talented as he is, that would uh, to see a, a player of his stature go down would just suck altogether. So just do exactly what Dennis was just saying. We'll just play the waiver wire here if he happens to suffer any kind of injury or needs to sit for any reason. The wide receiver position, uh, they've got a lot of guys here. I'm not really sure there's much of a battle here. I actually think, for me at least, the the three wide receivers I think are kind of set in stone in Sterling, Shepard, and Golden Tate for sure. Shepard on the outside, Tate in the slot. 
and someone that you've been pumping up a lot uh, since last year, actually, uh, since he came over to them. You've been saying that he was looking better. Again, he had a chance to break out. Um, so I'm going to let you talk about him. I actually think I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I, you've kind of won me over to his side. There's another player I think is right there in battle with him, but I could see him winning it. But go ahead, and for those of you who may be new, if you haven't, you probably know who Dennis is just about to talk about, but who you think could possibly win that third spot in the wide receiver core for the Giants. Well, I definitely think that the wide receiver, the third wide receiver job in New York is Corey Coleman's to lose. And he, he brings uh, a speed element to the game that uh, Shepard and Tate don't quite have. They're, they're good, but Coleman can get down the field. Uh, the, the challenge, I think, if, when you pair Coleman and Shepard and Tate uh, all together on the field at one time is that New York doesn't have that big contested catch wide receiver in any of the three of them uh but coleman has started to come on he's he's you know maybe he's gonna have that third year breakout uh you know who was it from that class it was coleman dotson and treadwell all yeah. coming out in that same class yeah those were the big well, three yeah you know dotson started to to break out last year he he, Dotson showed he might not be uh, a wide receiver one, but he can be a wide receiver two slash flex. Uh, Treadwell, Treadwell is not the dude. He's yeah. Treadwell's, yeah, he he's he isn't it. He uh, Coleman Coleman might be able to develop a, you know, Deshaun Jackson Will Fuller type of role. You know, get downfield, take the lid off, catch some long passes. Uh, yeah, New York is going to need that from somebody. Darius Slayton is uh, who he's battling with for that role as the wide receiver three there in, in New York. You know, Slayton has put up some uh, some quality tape in college as well. And being that he's new to the NFL, uh, he could get the benefit of the benefit of the doubt over someone like Coleman who flamed out in Cleveland and uh, New England. So. Uh, this is it's now or never for Coleman. If he if he can't put it together now, uh, it, it, his career might uh, effectively be over in a year or so. But the the opportunities there with Gold, Golden Tate being uh, getting old, Coleman if he has a good year, he could cement himself as the the second wide receiver in New York alongside a uh, Sterling Shepard. And when you've got a young quarterback coming in and you can develop that uh, that uh, chemistry with them. You know, that could be that might be something with Coleman, Shepard, Jones, Barkley, and Ingram. Who knows? Yeah. So just to just to break this down for you really quick, because I knew there was someone really good. There's actually quite a few wide receivers that came out in that 2016 draft, and really kind of pisses me off even more being a Browns fan to know we took Corey Coleman ahead of Michael Thomas. Uh, but Josh Doxson, Laquan Treadwell, Corey Coleman were the big three. Then you had Michael Thomas, then the supposed good Michael Thomas at that point in time, uh, who went to the Rams. Uh, obviously, the real good Michael Thomas was the one who ended up in New Orleans. Will Fuller, Sterling Shepard, and Tyler Boyd were also in that class. So, interesting that he's kind of getting now paired back up with Sterling Shepard, his his draft classmate there. Um, obviously, Tyler Boyd and Michael Thomas, well, my, and Will Fuller really has been, has been fairly uh, productive as well. But, yeah, as I said... Um, 
I'm right there with you. I think that Corey Coleman is really kind of – he showed it a little bit at the end of last year. There's been a lot of really good talk out of him from camp so far and the camp they had previous. I think that it's his spot to lose. Darius Slayton, who you mentioned, was my guy that I think has a chance to compete with him at that spot. He is bigger than the other three, but not by much. I believe he's like 6'2". Um, Corey Coleman is the next biggest at 5'11". Their biggest player on their team at the wide receiver spot is Alonzo Russell, who is 6'3", but he's not someone I think is going to be on the field that much. So if Darius Slayton can prove something, I would not be surprised if he makes it out there in some red zone packages and everything is kind of a nice little red zone target with Evan Ingram for them. Um, as well, but I, I do think it's Corey Coleman's job to lose. And hey, this this is his third year right here, so this is his chance to really kind of break out. Um, my question for you then is because, I, I, as I said, I know you've been someone who, who's really been high on, and I, I'm not saying high on Corey Coleman as in you think he's going to be a wide receiver one or anything like that, but you have talked about how you think he could possibly really have a good year this year. Do you think that there's any shot of him having a good year with Elon Manning at quarterback, or do you think it has to be Daniel Jones? I think it has to be Daniel Jones. Uh, I think Eli is, uh, you know, he's shot. His, he's going to keep it close to the line of scrimmage and yeah. dump it off to Saquon Barkley. Gotcha. Okay. Which, as a, someone who owns Saquon Barkley in a lot of leagues, I'm not that upset about if that does continue to happen. Um, the tight end position, no real battle here. We know it's Evan Ingram. Uh, my only thoughts and my question would be to you is so uh, – we just recorded a podcast the other day with the guys from the Fantasy Football Down Under. Um, great, great guys. I had an awesome time on their show, and they were talking about the rookie season that Evan Ingram had was the sixth best for a rookie at the tight end position, just how hard it is really for, for tight ends to kind of integrate themselves into the league. Obviously struggled with injuries last year. Where do you think Evan Ingram kind of falls on the top ten tight end scale for you with – Let's just say, since since you've already said that you think Daniel Jones needs to be the guy there, so say Daniel Jones is the starter even from week one, what do you think that does for Evan Ingram's value, and where do you think he could possibly finish with Daniel Jones being his quarterback? Well, with Daniel Jones, uh, I could see Ingram being top five, okay. you know, back end of the top five, probably five. Um but he's probably more likely going to be the back end of a uh, TE1. Mm-hmm. So if he ends up, if Jones starts the, for the whole season, I can see uh, Ingram finishing you know, easily tight end eight. Okay. I don't disagree with that. I was just uh, curious as to where... Um where you possibly might see him. Sorry, I'm distracted by this draft. I mean, just, oh, my God. This thing is just killing me. I'm I'm looking at that 2016 draft because I just wanted to see how far. I couldn't remember where Michael Thomas got drafted. Again, really pissing me off being a Browns fan that they took Corey Coleman at uh, at 15. I mean, they they could have had Will Fuller who went at 21. Michael Thomas went in the second round, dude. Like that's crazy yep. to me. I can't. I thought he went in the first round. So the fact that he went in the second round and how good he has been. I mean, I, I guess it's fair to say, as as someone who was obviously a huge Ohio State fan, I know you are as well. He didn't. We saw flashes of this at Ohio State, but nobody, I think, thought he could be as good as what he's shown in the NFL. So good on him for showing what he could be. But. 
my goodness, like it's just crazy looking at that. I mean, they could have still had him in the second round when they took Emmanuel Ogba, who's not even on the team anymore, and they could have taken him. So that's just it's just crazy to me. I'm just I'm frustrating myself looking at this 2016 draft, but it's all right. And we believe in John Dorsey and all that stuff's good. I shouldn't let this bother me as much as it is, but yeah, just crazy to think about. So uh, that that wraps up our NFC East battle. Uh, camp battles uh, we will be back for another episode this week to finish out the camp battles then we're really going to start jumping into um i'm going to actually start putting some stuff together dennis doesn't know about this yet because i haven't had a chance to talk to him but we're going to put some debbie stuff together because i love doing that we had already talked about doing some college football stuff uh we're just five weeks away from the college football season which is just Absolutely awesome news to hear, at least in my opinion, because I cannot wait for it to get here. Uh, so we'll talk about some college football. We'll also talk about um, some ADP stuff that I want to get into with Dennis, some guys that you think could be sleepers uh, based on their ADP, since there's no real sleepers in the NFL industry anymore, fantasy industry, because so many people are talking about it, analyzing this stuff. I mean, Philip Lindsay, obviously, I think could have been considered a sleeper last year. Uh, but I want to talk about some guys who could possibly really break out from their ADP stuff and then we'll obviously start getting into our ranks and everything, and obviously any kind of camp news as all the camps are starting to fire up here. Within uh, so the first one is Wednesday, I believe, with the Denver Broncos, and then throughout that next That's week, right. everybody starts up their camp. So we'll finally have some football we can actually talk about. We're we're almost through the dead period here, people. So we cannot wait. This is going to be a uh, coming Wednesday, and through that next week as camps open up, it's going to be an exciting time and. We're, we're going to start getting some real NFL news and, and getting into some really interesting stuff. So, Dennis, before we get out of here, obviously let us know where we can find you on Twitter and anything you've got going on with the Dynasty Nerds. Well, I am at Culture underscore Coach on Twitter. Uh, feel free to reach out to me, shoot me a DM, post a message or a poll. I'll definitely vote and retweet. I uh, love engaging, talking about fantasy football. I uh, just uh, updated my rankings on uh, the Dynasty Nerds website. I do standard rankings on there. Uh, I guess they have me do it because I'm a dinosaur. Um, so if you're in the nerd herd, you can check those out. Uh for only two ninety nine a month, you can get uh, in the nerd herd, extra podcast rankings, buy sell. Uh, we're talking about doing some depth chart stuff, some IDP depth chart, all kinds of stuff coming down down the pipe. Uh, alongside you on this illustrious podcast, having a blast. So, uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. And uh, obviously, as I, I said at the beginning, as I did mention, obviously, Dennis's Twitter handle at the beginning as well, but you can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. Same, you guys can always reach out to me. Um, not quite as active as I should be. It's just unfortunate. I just have a lot going on. Um, but if you do tweet at me or anything I, or, or send me a direct message, I will definitely get back to you quickly. I'm just not as good at retweeting and doing all the poll stuff that Dennis is. He is, is definitely a rock star when it comes to that stuff. Um, for me, I'm working on some Debbie article stuff I'm going to start releasing hopefully soon um, with the uh, my top tens at each position. Can't give away too much. I do have Debbie rankings on there as well. Again, Dennis just touched on just $2.99 a month. And not just me. I mean, you got Garrett Price who's becoming a rock star in the industry. So is Ray uh, who is just 
killing it with these videos and everything he's been dropping on his thoughts on these prospects. Both of those guys do Debbie ranks as well, so you might want to look at theirs more than mine, which is fine. Just pay the $2.99. It's well worth it. Well worth your time, but all of us are focusing on that. Um, can't wait to start dropping that stuff, and then again, as I said, start talking about some Debbie stuff on here as well with uh, with Dennis. Uh, if you guys get a minute, please rate, review, and subscribe. It would mean a lot to us. Um, and, I mean, that's it. So we appreciate you guys listening to us so much, and we'll be back later this week. Dennis, I look forward to talking to you on Thursday. Right now. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wall line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only tackle in the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can't. Who can make a play? I can't.